start, uh, this is our first, we have two messages today. They're going to be shorter, I promise, but we have two. So my first uh, thing to say is this, just Holy Spirit, show us your heart and make ours more like you. I was reading a a Facebook post uh, the other day, and uh, in a group that I'm a a part of back from Ottawa when I was uh, doing food banking up there as a part of one of the community associations, and somebody posted on there about a particular politician's um, voting record um, because all of our, our elections are coming up for municipal elections, right? And so they posted on there, and it was all the, all the things that they had voted against that this person thought they should have voted for. And um, it was political. It was a political uh, post, but nothing personal. It was just saying, like, this is the person's, person's voting record, and how they're based off their opinion, that means that that person is not actually in it for them because they had voted against all these things. And then after that, all these posts that were like, oh, you can't post stuff like that. It's so harmful, and you're personally attacking this person. And there's a lot of back and forth whether or not the post should even be there, let alone the content of the post being accurate or inaccurate. Seems like all around us there's conflict. Everywhere you look, there's conflict. And people make conflict where there seems to be no conflict. They're looking for conflict. And as followers of Jesus, it can seem like there's issues that we should confront, that we should have conflict with. We look at the world around us and we see and go like, man, this, this does not look like God's ideal or God's, God's plan for humanity. And we want to correct those things. And we've done so as a church. And I mean by church, I mean both historically as the the, the whole church universal and, and even as individual churches. But it never, it, not never, it often doesn't quite go as planned. We have issues that we want to confront and deal with, issues mostly of morality, things like sexuality or abortion, marriage, assisted suicide, to name some hot ones right now, not to mention things like alcohol or pornography, but now I'm mentioning them. You get my point. We often try to contend, don't we, with mixed efforts, and then we get mixed results. Some of the ways we try to tackle issues become issues in and of themselves because of how we're dealing with it. And even from its inception, the church has had to deal with things like this, has had to come to church, come to church, come to grips with what does it look like to follow Jesus and still live in this world. Jesus lived it out perfectly, how his followers should interact with the culture of the day. If you remember, his was an occupied culture. It was a culture that was, that was Israeli, but Roman-controlled. So a mix of influences, powers, were struggling to how, how to make this all world work. You think our political system is a hotbed of, you know, it's a hot mess. Just imagine what he would have been living in. And with his mission as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world, the pulls of power and the pulls of fight this, fight this issue, fight that issue, would have been on him. And yet he lived it out perfectly. And he lived it out perfectly to demonstrate for us what it looks like to live in a countercultural way. How to deal with people is a universe, in universal application. It doesn't matter the culture. 
how Jesus dealt with people and how Jesus dealt with culture applies. We see the Apostle Paul reminding the church in Ephesus, uh, and that's in the book of Ephesians, where the church actually faces conflict. And he says this in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 12. He says, Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers of this uh, and against evil and the spiritual forces in the heavens. We don't wrestle against people. There's not one person alive that we wrestle against. There's not one person that we stand in front of it and say, my conflict is with you. Instead, our conflict is with the brokenness inside people and the evil that is at work in trying to be at work in all of us. That is where our conflict lies. Paul reminds them that it isn't an us and them fight that we need to step into. When it comes to the people around us, our mission is to seek and save, not seek and destroy. Jesus, though, he also had a vision. And he gave this vision to John in, in the book of Revelation concerning Ephesus, that same church. And he says this, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear to be with those who are evil. But I have tested or, but I have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. There's always a but, isn't there? But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you, first, that you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. It's a strong warning to the church of Ephesus, isn't it? Ephesus had become good at being diligent in going to church, getting good teaching, staying away from evil, trying to be guardians of purity and godliness, all in waiting for Christ's return. They'd become very good at doing those things. What we read in Paul, from Paul, though, about the church in Ephesus is this, that they had been dead in their transgressions, but become alive through Christ. That they were created for good works, knowing God, pursuing love and unity, resisting the darkness of evil powers. This better not give me trouble again this week. But this had been turned into a fight against the culture rather than a fight for the people lost in culture. It was amazing to see how that shift had happened for them. They originally had a passion because they had known they were dead and had been brought to life in Christ. And they were so passionate about this new life that they had in him. And then they, they backed off of that passion and said, let's just be good. Let's get good teaching and just stay good and guard ourselves until that day. Do we not guard ourselves? Of course we guard ourselves. But there's something about that first love that God has for us that's important. Because when we fight against culture without the love of Jesus, Jesus actually would call that collective church sin. Whereas we as a church are sinning 
because we're fighting culture in a way that we were never supposed to. And our only, our only remedy for that is repentance. See, when we try to change the world by the ways of the world, Jesus says we've abandoned our first love. When we say, when we say the world, it can be a little hazy for us and hard for us to understand, hard for us to personalize. Because we look at it and we go like, well, what have I done, you know, by trying to change the world by the ways of the world? I don't understand this. What about if we try to change people without love or expect certain behaviors from people without love? What if we try to write people off because we don't know them? What if we judge people or pigeonhole them into who they should be? What if we write off large groups of people because they see the world differently? What if we won't associate with them because they're different? I could go on. Resilient disciples live from a deep sense of mission. They live countercultural lives, not compatible lives, but they live countercultural lives with the world around them. See, participating in a countercultural mission means serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and living differently from the cultural norms. Like we heard Jesus say last week, and he will not stop. He said, righteous Father, though the world does not know you, they don't know him. And so how do we expect them to understand his ways if they don't even know him? I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known to them in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may so, myself may be in them. He continues to show love and to be love through us so that the world will know and that he can be in them. Resilient disciples share much worry with what is going on in the world, yet their conviction for what will bring healing and restoration differs from the way of the world. In love, they focus on faithfulness and holiness as their core identity, being at home with who God has created them to be. There's no struggles with our identity because our identity is in Christ. And when we find that as our foundation, our identity in Christ first, before anything and everything else, before our ethnicity, before our gender, before our political beliefs, before our education or our jobs or our skill set, we are in Christ. Number two, they develop spiritual disciplines of prayer, serving, and living other-centric lives. They are strengthened by the Lord for this and by this. And number three, they put on the full armor of God. They trust that God is at work even in our world today. So our question in the first part is this. Are we so far from the love of God that we first experienced that like Ephesus, we don't recognize the weapons of the world anymore? We don't rec recognize when we pick up those weapons rather than the weapons that we've been given by God. Will we as Life Center repent for abandoning the love of Jesus for some other inferior love or power to get the end result that we think we want? The band's going to come back or the worship team's going to come back and play. And this first song is just a, a contemplative song for us to remember who God is and to be thankful for his presence in our life and that we get to call him Lord and have our identity in him.
So we'll worship and let them sing that over us, and then they'll invite us into joining them in, in worship. When it comes to our spiritual conflict, when it comes to our conflict with the world, if we don't seek first the kingdom, then we're seeking after the wrong, for the wrong thing. If we don't put Jesus first in everything and have a Jesus lens for everything, then we're seeking the wrong kingdom. We're fighting our battles the wrong way. We started talking about how to be resilient disciples, and we need to see the world through this lens of God, not men, as best we can, and combat evil and darkness, not by attacking the culture around us, but by inviting people into a completely different way of living. The fight isn't against, or the fight is against spiritual powers and authorities trying to enslave people to their sinful nature in ultimate destruction. Now, nice easy task, isn't it? Sound good? You ready to sign up at the back for that? There's a sign up at the back, just in case you're wondering, right? If you want to sign up to fight the spiritual powers and authorities in this world that are trying to enslave people, just in case you want to sign up for that. Sounds like some of zombie apocalypse movie, doesn't it? It sounds something more like that. But when we hear this, we often see that as a daunting task. Maybe we've tried, right? We've tried to use our spiritual strength with more authority only to hear messages that sound a little bit like this. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Why don't you go back to doing that small role that you're actually qualified for? Keep it to yourself. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you heard, oh, you're so full of yourself that you think you have the skills and the ability to do something about it. You just want a spot on leadership so you know what's going on and can say you're on the leadership team. But you're not actually there to do any work or to add any value to it. It's all about the position for you. Maybe you've been told you're not ready. You're too young, too young in your faith, age or spiritual maturity. You're too young to step up and step into a role. Maybe you've been told that you need tons of expertise or a style that is totally foreign to you. Maybe when looking at the battles that you, you face, you feel like the enemy's mocking you because in the, by appearances, you don't look formidable. You think you're stepping into that spiritual warfare and your enemy's looking at you going, really? You think you've got what it takes to take on these issues? Well, let me tell you right now. Those are lies. They're lies. They're 100% lies about you. Did you know that those are the exact things, slightly paraphrased, that was told to David when he faced Goliath? You see that in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can check and see what I'm saying. His older brothers, when he comes up, his older brothers saying, what are you doing here? Go home. Go back to the sheep. You're too young for this. You're not qualified to step onto a battlefield. They said he wanted, all he wanted to do was to showboat. And he was only there to, to look cool. King Saul said he was too young. He was just a boy. He can't go fight this giant. He's just a boy. The enemy mocked him for his size. He was given every opportunity to believe a lie about who he was 
and more importantly about who God was in his life. But David steeled himself in the knowledge that what? God was with him in the past when he faced formidable circumstances, when he had to fend off a lion and a bear when guarding those sheep. Do you think he did that because he had that strength in himself? He was just a teenager. He didn't have those skills. God was with him. And if I pause right now, and if we had a little testimony time, I could go around to everyone in this room, potentially, and hear your testimony of where God was in your past that was absolutely, unmistakably amazing. then why do we sit here weak? Then why do we feel like we can't do it? When God has been there before in our past, and now we're sitting here, now we're like, I feel like i got to step out into something, and then I hear all these lies being told to me, and I believe them. Because I forget to look back, and I see that, man, I beat a bear. I beat a lion. I can handle this. I can take this on, because not because I'm awesome, but because God is with me. There wasn't a weapon that was formed against David that could prosper. There wasn't a giant that could defeat him. The enemy would, in fact, flee if he resisted the devil. Was it personal strength? No. It was strength in God in him. My question is this. Do you know that about you today? Do you know that about you today? Do you know that the same God that found you dead in your sin and brought you to life again will rise up as victorious Savior and give you everything you need to stand firm in your love for your brother and your love for those that are lost in our culture? Do you not, do not lose heart. Do not lose your first love. Do not let the lies of the enemy defeat you before you have even lifted your sword in battle. As the psalmist says, lift up your eyes to the mountains. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Why do we fear? Like David, we need, to be, we need to remind ourselves of God's past faithfulness and, and step into the moments that he has for us. Now, we don't face real giants today, but we do face an enemy that has a giant advantage over us if we believe the lies about our authority in Christ. If we believe the lies about our ability to love our neighbor and love our enemy, those different than us. If we don't believe we can do that, the enemy has won. Church, this isn't a self-empowerment speech. This is a self-denying, God-empowering, corrective, or encouraging moment, whichever that means, whichever it is for you. Our prayer at the beginning was this, Holy Spirit, show us your heart and make us more like you. Help us to pursue your kingdom and then everything else will be added. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. 
Fill us for a righteous zeal to follow in your footsteps, empowered by you to make a Jesus-sized difference in our city today. God, teach us how to fight our battles in love. Teach us how to wrestle against the powers and principalities and not against people that we seemingly are in conflict with. God, teach us to be more like you. Holy Spirit, convict us of where we've personally just laid back. But Holy Spirit, restore us where we've believed the lies of the enemy about what we can, what we can do because we are in you. And Holy Spirit, set us free to live like your children with the authority that we have from God our Father. I'm going to ask you to stand because our worship team is going to lead us in a few more songs. And this first song is about us fighting our battles. I know you guys know it, but I want us to be able to declare today that we are fighting our battles differently in conflict. So let's sing together. Let this be a declaration for us. (laughs) 